0: How are you doing today? Hey, it's good to see you. You guys look great this morning. So glad you're here. Hey, if you're here for the first time at the Bridge Church, we want to welcome you today. Or if you're online, joining us for the first time. Thank you so much for being a part of the Bridge Church today. We know there are a lot of great churches in the Valley. We're honored you would be here with us today. Now, if you've been a part of the Bridge Church for a few weeks and you're trying to find your place and you want to know, okay, how do I become a part of the Bridge Church family? On the first Sunday of every month during Second Service, we have what we call Connecting Point. That's where you go to hear about the history and the mission of the bridge and you meet some of the pastors and find out how you can get better connected and be the bridge church. So make note of that the first Sunday of every month during Second Service. We would love to have you join us for Connecting Point. And if you're here in the room today and you have any questions out that first set of doors to the right, there is an info center. There's some really nice people there who'd love to meet you and just say hi and welcome you to the bridge. Can we put our hands together and welcome our first time guests today? God bless you. Hey, this is a special day. And of course, this is second service. We've already had one great service this morning and we're honored to have some Precious friends with us today, uh, people who are no strangers to the Bridge Church, Joel and Marie Holm, who are with us pretty much every year, sometimes twice a year, year after year. They are precious people, and they've poured so much into us, not just on Sundays, but into our leaders and into the church life here. Joel's going to come share in just a moment God's Word, but before he does, I want to tell you about something that is called the Bible Guide. There we go, Bible Guide. Bible Guide. This is an app you can download on your electronic device, and it has commentary on every chapter in the Bible it is a great tool i've got it on my phone i use it regularly it brings so much light and understanding to the scripture this is something that joel has himself put together not just days and weeks and hours but i mean years of experience and years of time putting this together download this bible guide and i promise you it will be a blessing in your life finally this morning Joel, I am so glad you're here. He shared a great message first service. Give a bridge
1: welcome to Joel home. Hey, everybody. Good morning. And I am really grateful that my wife came with me. We have been married this year for 35 years. And, uh, yeah, you're really applauding her a lot more than you're applauding me. Because I came up with this great joke. Because when you're married 35 years, people come to you. And they ask you, like, what's the secret? So I came up with this great joke. And uh, somebody came to me and said, hey, what's the secret? How are you married 35 years? I said, I'll tell you the one thing you do. You do this one thing, my wife and I have done this one thing for 35 years every week. If you do this every week, you will have a successful marriage. Every week for 35 years, we have gone dancing. And if you go dancing every week for 35 years, you will have a successful marriage. I go on Tuesdays, she goes on Thursdays. And like I told it four or five times. And then after the fifth time, Marie looked at me and she goes, I think we're done with that now. (laughs) Then I learned the real secret to marriage is when your wife says, I think we're done with that now, you are done with that now. (laughs) Hey, I am uh, really grateful to be here. And honestly, I just have one goal with this message, is that you will leave here with a prayer on your lips. And that for some of you, it will be a prayer you've never prayed before. For others of you, will be a prayer that you maybe haven't prayed in a long time. And here's the prayer. God, I want a divine encounter with you. God, I want a divine encounter with you. And if you say that prayer, you can know this for sure. You are completely in line with God's will. Because more than anything, God wants a divine encounter with you. That's the story of the Bible. You start in Genesis God created us so that he could relate to us and we could have a divine encounter. And then when sin came in and created a barrier, all you have is a story of God trying to figure out, how can I get closer to my people? How can I get closer to them? What would that look like? So God comes up with an idea. I'll have a people, I'll have a nation, and out of that nation, the Israelites, the Savior will come. But even as a nation, how can I get close to them? And he gives Moses this command, build a tent of meeting. It's a place, a dwelling place on the outside of where everybody lives. And they will know that's where they can go and have a divine encounter with God. And Moses creates this thing called the Tent of Meeting so that God could get close to his people. But it's not enough for God. He wants to be closer. So he comes up with a better idea. Here's what I can do. And he goes to David hundreds of years later. And he says, I want you to build a temple, but I want you to build it in the middle of the people. Right in the middle of the city where everybody is all around and everybody will know that I am there because I want to get closer to my people. And David's son Solomon built a temple so that God could be close to his people. But it's still not enough for God. He's still not satisfied simply having a temple in the middle. So he comes up with the craziest idea. God thinks to himself, and here's his idea. I will come and I will join the people. I'll become like them. I'll take on flesh. And the Son of God comes... And becomes like you and me for one reason. God wants to be close to you. And when you study what God did when he was on earth in flesh, village to village, all you read about is how Jesus touched people. Didn't matter if they were a leper or a child. He was always hugging people, always touching people. Why? Because God wants to be close to you. He wants to have an encounter with you. And then God gets the wildest idea of all. Jesus comes to his followers after he has died and resurrected, and he said this, God wants to be so close to you that it's better that I leave and the Spirit of God comes, because now God can dwell in you and be one with you always. So when your prayer is, God, I want a divine encounter with you, you are praying directly in line with the Word of God. I am grateful for the familiar things that exist in my relationship with God. I'm grateful that I can wake up every morning and read my Bible and pray. I'm grateful I can come to a church and worship. I'm grateful for the familiar things because they bring some stability. But there are times when I need something new, when the familiar just doesn't cut it anymore. It's not enough, and I need something new. And it's at those moments where I go, God, I need a divine encounter with you. I'm grateful for what I know, but I need something new. And we're gonna look at a story of this kind of divine encounter that took place in the Old Testament, and it's there for us to understand what does this look like? How does this happen? How does God answer that prayer on our lips tomorrow morning of wanting a divine encounter? And it's a story about Isaiah. Now, i got to tell you from the beginning, it's a kind of funky story. But when you have encounters with God, anything can happen. Isaiah was a statesman. He was kind of a Shakespeare of his society. He spoke on God's behalf. He knew the kind of upper echelons. He hung out with the kings and the princes. The king at that time was a guy by the name of Uzziah. And Uzziah followed God well until the end of his career. And at the end of his career, he kind of went off the rails. And we don't know what Isaiah was doing during this time. But we know that when Uzziah died, it kind of jammed Isaiah up. It confused him. He didn't know what to think. We go through life at times when we have seasons. And they just kind of jam us up. Life doesn't make sense. There may be fears, there may be confusion, there may be missed expectations, and it's at those moments we do what Isaiah do. We say, God, I need a divine encounter with you. Because only an encounter with you is gonna bring any explanation to what I'm going through. So this story comes out of Isaiah chapter six. Let me read it for you, starting in verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This prayer that I hope we will have this week, it comes when we have this kind of a need like Isaiah had. When our walk with God, at whatever level of it is, just isn't enough. It doesn't provide enough. There's not enough answers. And we're discontent and a way where, no, I need more of you, God. And he is just waiting for you to make that kind of prayer. And when you look at this story, Isaiah comes in and he makes this prayer. And what God shows him is what God will show us. The word glory is used there. Isaiah becomes aware of a whole new dimension of who God is. These angelic creatures are flying around and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. They're created to worship God. And every time they look at God, at 110%, they're full of passion in worshiping God. When you go places and you see some amazing things, go to the Grand Canyon to a national park and you see this beauty, the first time you go, your mouth just drops open. But the fourth or fifth time you go, it's still beautiful, but it loses a bit of its wonder. That is never the case with God. Every time you come before God and say, I need a divine encounter, you're going to discover another side of him, another dimension of him that is going to be as majestic and as beautiful As you ever thought could be. And here Isaiah discovers his power in a way that Isaiah needed to know. Because the picture is as Isaiah walks in, the whole place begins to shake. There's an earthquake going on here. Now you all live in Southern California. So you're familiar with earthquakes. I just moved here like 11 years ago. The first time I had an earthquake, it scared the living daylights out of me. Because in Chicago, you have tornadoes. But five minutes before the tornado comes, a siren goes off. And you go down into your basement. And the tornado passes over and there's some devastation. But you can be warned. You can, you're in control of the situation. When an earthquake happens, you have no control. I'm in my living room. And this train runs through my living room. It felt like this earthquake. I had no idea it was coming. It's like, what was that? And I had no experience with it. So the first thing I did after the earthquake was done was to walk out onto my patio at the third floor and look around going, what was all that about? And I tell this to my friends. They go, and the last thing you do is walk out onto the patio when you've had an earthquake. I don't know. I'm completely out of control. This is what God wants. He wants you to be completely out of control. He wants you to give it up. He wanted it to do it to Isaiah. He says, I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to show you my glory. But I'm going to show it in a way that's going to be completely out of your control. I'm going to shake you up. The familiar, I'm in control. And God is good. But the new, I want a divine encounter, it begins by God shaking you. It's like he comes to Isaiah and he shakes him. And he's saying, Isaiah, wake up. I am real, this is truth, wake up. He shakes Moses. Moses had this experience where he tried to serve God and it didn't work out because Moses was kind of doing it out of his own effort and he ends up living in the desert, still following God but pretty much going, I guess there's no real plan for me with God's plan. And this bush starts to burn that isn't going out and it's like God is shaking Moses going, Moses! Do not let your past failure define your future purpose in me. And there are some of you, when you have that prayer, God, I want a divine encounter, he's going to have that same message for you. Do not let your past failure think you do not have a future with me whatsoever. God did this with Paul, who was known as Saul, a devout religious follower of God. And he's riding along the road. And God shakes him and has such a divine encounter. It literally knocks him off of his horse. It's like God saying, Paul, wake up. You have no idea how much I love you. Do not define your relationship with me by religion. And how good you behave. how many times you go to church. And what you do. And for some of us, God wants to shake us. Say, wake up. Do not define your relationship with me by religion and how good you are and how many times you go to church. When we have this prayer, God, give me a divine encounter, it begins with a prayer that's saying, I'm not in control. I can't navigate this. And it's amazing when you look at what Isaiah saw, it's some funky stuff. This is like Fantastic Beasts or Lord of the Rings, these angelic beings flying around. Now, I'm not saying you're going to see that, but I will tell you this will happen. Imagine Isaiah trying to explain to somebody what he experienced. And he would describe these beasts to him, and that person would look at him, but Isaiah would know, they don't get it. And when you have this divine encounter with God, it is so personal, so directed to you, so unique, that when you try to explain it to a friend, they'll listen to you, but you'll know, they don't really get it. Because they haven't had my experience. And you may be here this morning, and you're grateful for the familiar, but you know you need something new from God. And it begins with this prayer. God, I need a divine encounter. And when you offer that prayer God shows up because you are praying in his will. But he will shake you. And when he shakes you, what happens to you is exactly what will happen to Isaiah. So he walks into the temple, right? There's all this shaking going on. There's all this smoke going on. Isaiah's completely out of control. He has no idea what's going on. And the first thought that Isaiah comes up with is, wow, my lips are unclean. I can't stand before a holy God. He knows his internal sin As much as you know yours, he knows everything that's going on. And then he watches one of these angelic beings go to the altar where these coals are and pick up one of these fiery coals and start to fly at him. Now, in the Old Testament, every time there is the picture of fire, it is a picture of God's judgment, God's wrath. So put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. You're there, things are shaking. You're out of control. You look at yourself in contrast to a holy God. You know you do not measure up. All of a sudden, here comes fire at you. And is backing up, backing up. And he's thinking to himself, I'm a goner. It's over. You see, Isaiah is thinking God's judgment. But God is thinking God's grace. And when you have this prayer, I need a divine encounter, there may be a moment... Where you look at yourself and how incapable you are. But that very moment, that's actually God's grace at work. Isaiah says, I've got unclean lips. We don't know what his actual problem was. Did he lie? Maybe he gossiped. Maybe when the king went off the rails, Isaiah just stayed silent because it was his friend and it was just easier to be quiet. Whatever it was, Isaiah's issue was something to do with his words. And when he's exposed to God, he has this sense that he has this sin, this brokenness. But here's why it's an act of God's grace. If you are not aware of your brokenness, You will never discover a Savior who is full of grace and love and redemption for you. If Jesus is just kind of a bolt-on, if Christianity is just kind of a life guide, you are missing out on so much of what a divine encounter is all about. Because if a divine encounter is not about judgment, a divine encounter, it's about grace. Many of us are in this cycle that Isaiah was in. You ever done this? You make a promise to God. You look at your life and you know how you struggle in areas, so you make a promise to God, I'll do better. I won't yell at my kids that way anymore. I won't have these outbursts of anger. I won't have those thoughts anymore. And you make this promise to God, but you make it only out of your own volition, and that promise ends up turning into failure. And with failure comes shame and guilt. And whenever there's shame and guilt, the first thing that happens is hiddenness. Like Adam and Eve in the garden with, covering themselves. And it's in that hiddenness you make another promise to God. No, no, this time. This time I'll do better. This time I won't yell. This time I won't look at that. And in that next promise you make to God, because it's only out of your own volition, you fail again. And there's more shame and guilt. And there's more hiddenness. And it becomes this disastrous cycle that the familiar cannot help you in. Some of you are here this morning, and you're experiencing that cycle right now. Promises to God that you can't fulfill. And what God wants to do in a divine encounter is not come to you and say, Joel, shape up. He wants to come to you and say, let me show you my grace Because like Isaiah, if we're not aware of our brokenness, we won't ever be aware of the strength and the power and the majesty of our Redeemer. I had to speak at a youth camp a a few years ago, and there's like three or four hundred kids, and it was three nights. So I was the nighttime speaker. So every night I would give an altar call for kids to come forward and give their life to Christ. And every night there were lots of kids at the altar. And every night, like back over here, I'd see a, a guy, maybe 15 years old, and he's sitting like 10 rows back and he's sitting like this with his hands crossed, really stern look on his face. So I went up to him and I said, "Hey, do you want to give your life to Christ? Come forward to the altar and give your life to Christ." And he looked at me and goes, "I don't need to go to the altar to give my life to Christ. I can give my life to Christ right here in this chair." I said, "No, you're wrong. You can't give your life to Christ in the chair. You got to go forward to the altar." He says, "I know what the Bible says. I can give my life to Christ right here in this chair." I said, "No, you're wrong. You can't. You got to be at the altar." And the conversation ended. The second night, the very same thing happened. I gave an altar call, a bunch of kids are forward. There he is sitting there with his hands crossed, stern as can be. We had the same conversation. Didn't go anywhere. The third and final night, I look back there as I'm getting the altar call, and he's sitting there, but his hands are not crossed anymore. His head is bowed, he's got his hands in his face, and it looks like he's crying. So I walk up to him, and before I can say anything, he goes, I'm ready, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'll go forward to the altar. And I said, no, no, you can do it right here in your chair, you're okay. He had to be broken in order to really discover a healer and a redeemer. And when you have this dangerous prayer, God, I want a divine encounter with you. He's not just going to give you an answer to a problem you're facing. He's going to give you himself. And you're going to have this temple shaking, but when you look at this picture in this story, it's a picture of Christ In the New Testament, when a temple shook and a veil was ripped and darkness covered, it's a foreshadowing of that because God's response to our brokenness is not condemnation and judgment. It's Jesus. Isaiah thinks he's having a near-death experience. Jesus had a full death experience for Isaiah. You and I may feel like we're having near-death experiences at times. It was Jesus who had the full death experience, so we only have to have that. I'm in L.A., and I'm walking down the street on the sidewalk, and an L.A. city bus comes flying past me, and the shadow of the bus hit me. You know there's a difference between being hit by the shadow of the bus and being hit by the bus? (laughs) Jesus got hit by the bus. But the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And when we have this divine encounter, he wants to show us what he has done for us, all that he has given for us. He wants this encounter to be of grace because no matter what troubles and difficulties you are facing, the answer is not just the resolution of that trouble it's a new revelation of who Jesus is in your life, that's the answer. Because it's so easy to slip back into those old pictures like Moses and Paul. Imagine this story. Imagine a young man and a young woman and they're getting married and it's their wedding day. And they come together at the altar and there's a wedding ceremony. And we're all there and we're celebrating this moment and it's glorious and it's fantastic and then there's a big party or reception and there's dancing and everybody's having a wonderful time and eventually all of us go back to our homes and this young man and this young woman they're just married so they go to the hotel and they go to the bridal suite they're both a little eager they're both a little anxious they're up in the bridal suite and the bride says just a moment to his groom to the groom I need to go down to the lobby of the hotel I just need to get a few things so the bride goes down to the lobby of the hotel but instead of going to the shop to just buy a few things, the bride, out of the corner of her eye, sees a dark place. It's the lobby bar. For whatever reason, she's drawn into the lobby bar. At the bar, there's a stool. Next to the stool is a strange man that she doesn't know, but she sits next to that strange man. They start up a conversation. And within a few minutes, the bride, leaving her groom in the bridal suite on their honeymoon night, walks out into the dark of the night with this strange man. And that's a picture of us. And if we were friends with the groom, and he called us up and said, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me. (coughs) You would not believe what my bride just did. All of us would have the same response. We would say, we are so sorry, but good riddance. Get an annulment. You are so much better off without her. But Jesus doesn't do that. He puts on his coat. He takes the elevator down to the lobby. And he walks out into the dark of the night for the single purpose of getting you back that's grace. That's his love. And in this picture, when you have this prayer, God, I want a divine encounter. All he wants to show to you is not how you can do a better job. What he wants to show to you is how much he loves you and his grace for you. Because you notice, Isaiah becomes fully aware of some kind of sin with his lips. And in the story, The angel, bringing the grace of God, touches Isaiah right where he is broken, touches him right on his lips. And wherever it is that you are broken, whatever hurts you may have, whatever difficulties and struggles you may have, when you come to God and say, I want a divine encounter with you, he is going to bring to you his grace right where you need it the most. You may say, Joel, it's not my lips, it's my mind. I'm I'm plagued with fear. I go to bed every night just thinking fearful thoughts. I wake up and they're still there, and I am plagued with fear. And if you come to God with this prayer, God, I need a divine encounter with you because the familiar is not doing it. I have this fear. Do you know what he will do? He will reach down and he will touch your mind and he will set you free. And there will be peace, not anxiety. You may say, Joel, it's not it's not really my mind whatsoever. It's my soul. I'm just full of despair. I just have no hope whatsoever. Or when I look at myself in the mirror, all I can see is shame. And that's all I've got. There's just this like hopeless shame, like I don't deserve anything. And if you come to God and say, God, I need a divine encounter, because the familiar is not enough, he will pick up that grace and he will touch you right in your soul. And you will discover a love and a freedom That there's no way you could ever earn, but is nonetheless very true. This is what happened to Isaiah, where God's grace actually heals us in the very spot that we needed. Let me ask you a question. Right now, where do you need a touch of the grace of Jesus? Right now, is there a brokenness? Your heart, where there's a bitterness to somebody who's hurt you, your mind, your soul, a bad habit. God is waiting to love you. He is waiting to heal you. And all he needs to hear from us is this prayer, God, I want a divine encounter. Now this would seem like such a great story Isaiah's troubled, he doesn't know what's going on, he comes to the temple, I want a divine encounter, God says, I'm in control of this, everything's shaking, and then all of a sudden he discovers all of God's grace and healing, and you think, that's a perfect story, Isaiah can go home. But the story doesn't end there, because there's an incredibly important piece if you're really going to have this full encounter with God where you flourish. God asks this question, who am I going to send? There's a world out there that I love. Who am I going to send? And Isaiah says, here I am. He goes from woe am I to here I am send me. In a matter of minutes. Like Jeff said during worship, Isaiah goes, yes Lord. It is not a commitment to obedience out of demand and obligation. It is response to this amazing grace that he has discovered. And he goes, yes Lord, I'm all in. Because if we're honest... Sometimes when we only live in the familiar, we find ourselves struggling with what that phrase really means. Yes, Lord, I'm here. Imagine walking through a forest, and you get to a fork in the road, and there's two paths to go. One is wide, pretty easy, a lot of people on it. One is narrow, looks really hard, very few people on it. And you have to choose, which way am I going to go? And you're smart enough to go, ah, I shouldn't go during the wide path. I know that that leads to some really bad stuff. But the narrow path looks really hard. So you think to yourself, oh, if only there was a middle path. You know, one that wasn't that way, but not so hard. One that was, you know, Christianish. If there was just a middle path. And Jesus is on the narrow path. And he hears what you're thinking. And he says to you, Joel, there is no middle path. But you look and you think, yeah, but maybe one could be built. And many of us spend our lives trying to build a middle path. Where we know the familiar and we manage it. Not too much sacrifice, not too much sin, just kind of a safer middle path. Now, here's the danger in that illustration. You may go, yeah, I need to go down the narrow path. I just really need to work hard and serve hard, and I need to do the narrow path. That's not the picture of the narrow path. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. The narrow path is actually not a difficult path in the natural. It's a path where Jesus is, and when you go down that, when you're saying, God, I want a divine encounter with you, you discover so much more of who Jesus is as you're like Isaiah going, here I am, send me. What does that look like? A little while back, I had a friend who I thought was a very good friend. He really hurt me. He stabbed me in the back in a way that just blew me away. Some of you may have had that experience where you have been betrayed by somebody. Big path, I'm going to just let that guy have it. Narrow path, i got to forgive him seven times 70. Middle path, i just stay away. Won't say anything rude, just stay away. But when I do that, I am missing out on a divine encounter with God. When I step into that path where Jesus says, Joel, you got to forgive that person. I can't, Lord. you got to forgive that person. And when I take the first step to forgiving that, here's what happened, because it just happened. I begin to forgive that person, and all of a sudden I'm experiencing like a grace and a love for that person, and I don't know where it came from. I'm going, I hate this person. Why do I care about them now? I don't want to forgive them, but as I'm stepping onto that narrow path, what is happening is I'm having a divine encounter with God, and He is giving me the grace. He is giving me the forgiveness. It's beyond my control. I'm having this divine encounter, and I actually now want to forgive this person, not out of my own volition, not out of a religious obligation, because I'm having this divine encounter. So I have this prayer, God, give me a divine encounter. Because there are people at work that I do not like whatsoever. But if I have a divine encounter with you, you're going to give me a supernatural love that I couldn't conjure up. God, give me a divine encounter. So I don't find myself just trying to build a middle path in whatever way. And that happens when you have this prayer that discovers God's heart. This moment for Isaiah, it would change him forever. Later on in his letter, here's how he would write it in Isaiah 26, 9. He would say, my soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. You see, in that moment, he discovered something that God wants all of us to discover. This week, when you have that prayer, God, give me a divine encounter. Do you know what he wants you to discover? Is his heart. He wants you to see his heart for you, his love, his joy. He wants you to see what you do to him he wants you to know how you just overwhelm his day how he wakes up thinking about you my wife and I have been married for 35 years and when we were just friends before we were dating I was beginning to fall in love with her but I thought to myself there's no way she's going to respond I mean look there's just no way for me, you know, she's beautiful, she's intelligent. There's like 20 guys who want to marry her. There's just I'm just punching way above my weight. There's no weight. And we had this really good friendship. And then one evening, she sat down with me, and she said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. I thought we were going to have a conversation. And she said, I want to tell you about my heart for you. And then she began to describe her love for me. She said things about myself I didn't even believe about myself. She actually wanted to be with me. Can you believe that? Nobody wants to be with me. She thought I was beautiful. I think, what? have you looked in a mirror lately? All of a sudden, I'm having this conversation with my wife, and she's sharing her heart with me, and she's telling me things about how she feels about me and how much she loves me, and she makes this statement, I really don't want to do life without you. She's just sharing her heart with me. It was a game changer. The moment I discovered Marie's heart, I knew, wow, this changes everything. When you have this prayer, God, I want a divine encounter. The moment you really discover his heart, it's a game changer. It changes everything. You look back and go, how could I ever thought a middle path was better than this divine encounter with Jesus? How could I ever thought that the familiar should be enough to settle when I can have him in such a unique and precious way? And here's the beauty of it. There's another guy in the Old Testament named David. And he was passionate about this idea of wanting a divine encounter. And he gave us an insight to it that is so important for us this week. Here's what he said in Psalm chapter 69. He said, you who seek God, your heart shall live. If you seek God, your heart's going to come alive. It's not even a matter of having to find him. Just the act of the prayer means you start to come alive. Just the act of the, God, I want a divine encounter. Just that alone, all of a sudden now, you begin to come alive in your heart and you begin to live. Maybe this morning, there are some of you here. And even though thousands of years ago, you can relate to Isaiah. There's confusion, there's doubt, there's fear. And you've come to the reality that the familiar, I read my Bible, I pray, go to church, it's not enough. I can control that and I'm grateful for it, but it's not enough. The simple thought that God wants to share with you is he wants to answer your prayer. He wants you to have this simple prayer that says, God, I want a divine encounter with you, something new. I'm willing to give up control. I'm willing to be shaken because I know where it'll lead. I need to know and experience your grace. I need healing for my brokenness. I want you to bring me to a place where it's no longer a middle path Christianity, but I'm all in, not because of religious obligation, Because every minute with you is an amazing minute. And anywhere you're going, I want to be there. Would you bow your heads with me? The Lord resurrected. He's alive. He sent His spirit. I'm just going to give you a moment right now to start that prayer that I hope you will carry through this week. I hope tomorrow morning when you wake up and you're having your coffee, you'll whisper that prayer. But right now, in your own words, tell the Lord if you want a divine encounter. You can't fake it, so if you're not ready, that's cool. But if you want something new, something more, if you want Him, you want Jesus, Just say that prayer. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Just in this environment of stillness, you may be here and you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You know, church, you know, religion but you just have never really had an encounter with Jesus. You're still trying to figure all that out. I'd consider it a privilege if you would let me pray for you. If you'd say, Joel, I am ready to meet this Jesus, to discover what it means that he died on a cross for my sins and resurrected, to live with a whole nother view of eternity. I wanna meet this Jesus. I wanna give my life to Christ More importantly, I want Christ to give his life to me. And I would consider it a privilege if you would let me pray for you. It's a prayer you give from your heart and it's the beginning of a journey. In a few minutes, Pastor Corey's gonna come up here and he's gonna tell you about a little booklet you can read that it only counts if you start the journey. So if you would wrap your hearts with mine, right before I pray with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you say, Joel, would you pray for me? I want a divine encounter with Jesus. I want a divine encounter like I've never had before. Would you just lift your hand so I can just see it? Just wanna make a point of contact? Lord Jesus, you see these hands. Every one of them in a different place on their journey of faith. Jesus, some, this may be their first time at a church. Some may have been here for a while, but you know the desire of our heart Jesus, when we pray we want a divine encounter with you, you hear our prayer. We want to know your heart for us. We want to experience the grace-filled healing of our brokenness. We want to have that same awe and life-transforming encounter that Isaiah had. And we know, God, this is your heart's desire. It was for Isaiah and it's for everybody in here. We thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross and you resurrected so that we could have life with you. We thank you for the familiar, that we can read our Bible and we can pray and we come to church, we can know you. But this week, we're asking for more, Lord. Give us a divine encounter. I thank you for this church I thank you for Bridge Church And the lighthouse that it is And I pray Lord That you would continue to fill Your spirit in this place That when people walk through those doors Maybe never having been in church They would somehow experience A divine encounter Even if they don't have language for it Collectively as a church Lord We stand before you as I did And we say here we are send us because we know as we go, we're gonna discover you, more and more of you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who wants to know us, that your heart's desire is to be with us and talk to us, share your heart with us. So hear the prayer, Lord God, that comes from our hearts. May this week in every unique and distinctive way, may this week be a week of special divine encounters that transform us as they transformed Isaiah. As we pray, our hearts come alive. I pray this in the name of Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you all.
2: Hey, can we say thank you to Joel for that awesome message? Amen. Hey, if you just had a moment with God and for you wrapping your heart around those words, it was Joel's prayer, but maybe you wrapped your heart around those words and, and you gave your life to the Lord for the first time, or maybe you rededicated your life. Let's just tell you, this is not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. It's the best decision that you could ever make with your life. And, We feel like it's our obligation to kind of walk the next week of your faith journey out with you. I remember when I made that decision and I felt like I had a thousand questions and I had nobody to turn to with them. And so we really wanna just resource you and maybe answer some of those questions and connect with you. We have a tool, a free gift called The Next Seven Days. It's a booklet, uh, the one that Joel just referred to that our pastor wrote. And really what it's about, is just helping you take the next few steps in your faith journey. And you can get it in a couple ways. Um, Number one. There'll be some prayer teams right down front, down here, right after service. They'll have the booklet. You just go up to them and tell them, hey, I prayed that prayer. I'd like the book. They'll get it to you. They're ready to pray for you of anything you might need prayer for. If you're in a big hurry, right when you uh, exit the auditorium and you go to the foyer, uh, straight ahead, there'll be a counter. There'll be a picture of the next seven days right above it. You can go to the counter and tell them, hey, I prayed the prayer. Could I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. Uh, You just made the best decision of your entire life an eternity changing decision a divine encounter and we want to help in walking out the next steps of your faith journey but we all just we also just want to celebrate you and say welcome to the family so church can we welcome people to God's family right now
1: And church, we have one more opportunity to worship God with our giving. And so we wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And there'll be many ways on the screen that you can give. And if you'd like to give in person, there are envelopes on the chair backs and there are giving stations as you exit on each side. And also another giving station in our foyer by our Bridge Kids check-in. And we know that ministry here at the Bridge Church does not happen without a faithful God and faithful people. So we just wanna say thank you so much, Bridge Church, for being so, so, so
2: incredibly generous. Hey, anybody else just find themselves in moments when Joel is speaking like 87 times, you just go, wow, whoa, never thought about it that way. That's really good. Here's a really cool thing. Tonight at team night, Joel will be sharing with our team. If you serve in any area, you're invited. Many, many of you have already registered and maybe you're sitting right here going, oh no, I planned to be there, but I didn't register. You're still invited. You can still come, still head out. Uh, Just go to the website or go to our church app and go and register so we can plan for you. You and your kids, if you wanna bring your kids, we have a great Bridge Kids program happening. We're gonna feed them as well. It's gonna be an awesome night. You'll hear from Joel, you'll hear from pastors. We'll get to just appreciate you, tell you how thankful we are for you, how much we love you, give you a little bit of inspiration about what's to come in the future. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church this morning? Nowhere else in the whole world would you rather be on a Sunday than right here with you. Hey, we'll see you tonight for team night and next week for church. God bless you.